tonight I want to talk to you about faith in action, putting your faith in action. You know, this is something that all of us as passionate followers of Christ need to be doing in our daily life. You know, when I think about putting our faith in action, I think about, you know, putting my faith into practice every single day in my daily life, every single day of doing something to put my faith into action. You know, we talk about our faith, we sing about our faith, we read in God's word about our faith, you know, but are we putting in daily practice everything that we sing about, everything that we read about in God's word? Are we putting that in the, into practice every single day? So tonight I want to look at Matthew chapter 15, and I want to focus on verses 29 to 38, because here Jesus continues to teach his disciples two things. The first thing that he's teaching them is that no one in this world is off limits to the gospel. There's nobody that's off limits to the gospel message. The second thing is, is that he's teaching them to have compassion and put your faith in action. So let's go to God's word together. Jesus went on from there and walked beside the Sea of Galilee. And he went up on the mountain and he sat down there. And great crowds came to him, bringing with, him, bringing with them at his feet the mute, the blind, the lame, and many others, and he healed them. So that the crowd wondered when they saw the mute speaking, the crippled healthy, the lame walking, and the blind seeing. And they glorified the God of Israel. Then Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion on the crowd because they've been with me now for three days and they have nothing to eat and I'm unwilling to send them away hungry lest they faint on the way. And the disciples said to him, where are we going to get enough bread in such a desolate place to feed the crowd? And Jesus said to them, how many loaves do you have? They said, seven and a small fish, and a few small fish. And directing the crowd to sit down on the ground, he took the seven loaves and the fish, and having given thanks, he broke them and gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the crowds. And they all ate, and they were satisfied. And they took up seven baskets full of broken pieces left over, and those who ate ate were 4,000 men besides women and children. This is such a wonderful story of Jesus' compassion for other people and him wanting to meet their needs. And the great thing about the Bible is, is that if we go through and we look at Mark 8, we'll see the same account of Jesus feeding the 4,000. And if we read them together, we get a full story of the whole account and see exactly what's happening here, because Matthew puts in some details or omits some details as well, and Mark puts a little bit more uh, details into it. And so I always like to give a quick overview of what's happening at the time of the passages that we're studying to bring a little context to what we're reading tonight. So if we look earlier in chapter 15 of Matthew, we see that Jesus is first dealing with the Jewish leaders, you know, the Pharisees and the scribes, you know, they wanted to confront him about his disciples breaking the tradition of the elders by not washing before they ate their hands. 
Now, I know it's always a good thing to teach our children to wash your hands and be cleansed and be clean before they eat or if they're out playing. It's always a good thing to do that. But the problem is, is that these Jewish leaders were not doing this because they wanted to make sure that everybody had good hygiene and that everybody was sanitary. Catch that phrase, what it says here is that they were breaking the tradition of the elders. So they were upset because the disciples were disobeying their man-made rules and their traditions. And so the washing of the hands, they weren't upset about it because they felt that they were unclean. They were upset about it because they weren't doing what they were told to do. And so it was not in the law of God, but it was in the tradition of the elders. So it's a man-made law that they had here. And so the religious leaders, you know, they did this because they wanted to show off all of their holiness. They wanted to, you know, have that strict uh, obedience to their man-made laws. And so because of these religious leaders, you know, they wanted to force their traditions on the Jewish people, you know, which we see later in, God, in, the math, in Matthew's gospel, um, that these man-made rules, all they did was put the heavy burdens on the people's shoulders. And so we must always pay attention to the difference between the traditions of man and the law of God. And so after Jesus finished this of exposing the Jewish leaders once again in their hypocrisy, he then moves to the Gentiles, which we're going to be at tonight and we're going to read about tonight. And so right before the passages that we just read, we see in verses 21 to 28, we see Jesus healing a Gentile woman's daughter. And we see her persistent and great faith that she had in this Gentile woman. And so now let's pick up at verse 29. So we read, And crowds came to him, bringing with them the lame, the blind, the crippled, the mute, and many others. And they put them at his feet, and he healed them. I love this. I love this because here we read about these Gentile people who probably heard about Jesus and heard about him healing people. And here they are, these Gentiles, bringing their sick and those who need Jesus, they're bringing them to him. And so I just love that picture of them. And this would have been shocking for his disciples because as religious Jewish people, they would have been raised up considering that the Gentiles were off limits. They wanted nothing to do with the Gentiles. And so here Jesus is in front of his disciples you know, not only healing a Gentile woman's child, but also healing all these Gentiles that were coming to him to be healed. And so they would have been taught that they should have no contact with someone who was not a Jew. And so Jesus wanted his disciples to understand that he came to this world to save his people wherever they were at and wherever they might be found. And so tonight, the first thing I want us to see here is that we can lay all of what we have at the feet of Jesus. We can lay everything that we have at Jesus' feet. You know, Jesus here is reaching beyond his covenant people. You know, he's reaching beyond the lost uh, sheep of the house of Israel. He's reaching out to Gentiles. And so we also see Jesus giving us a prophetic picture of the extension 
of the kingdom of the purpose of God that encompasses the whole entire lost world. And I love this because, you know, we see him feeding the 4,000, and then before that we saw him feeding the 5,000, which I'll talk about briefly in a moment, but he's feeding the 5,000 who are Jewish earlier on in Matthew. And here he is feeding the 4,000 with this wonderful banquet, with this wonderful feast of Gentiles. And it reminds me of anticipation for the big supper, the marriage supper of the Lamb that we read about in the book of Revelation. And so if you remember pastor's message last week in the Gospel of Mark, he talked about the kingdom of God. And so here, this is a a prophetic picture of the kingdom of God. And so we see that this crowd who came to see Jesus brought those who were in the most need of him. And they laid them at his feet. And they were healed. They were made whole. You know, this always reminds me of the story of Mary that we read about in in Luke when Martha was too busy to do anything. But you you see this picture in Luke 10.39 of how Mary sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he taught. Just sitting at the Lord's feet and listening to what he's teaching us. What a great place to be. You know, at the feet of Jesus, there's a place of stillness. There's a place of worship, of forgiveness. It's a place of healing. It's a place where we can feed our souls with the word of God. It's a place where we can focus our attention on Christ And it's at the feet of Jesus where we can find true peace. And so just like the people brought their sick to Jesus to be healed, we can continue to bring those around us in our community, in our neighborhood, in our families. We can continue to bring them to the feet of Jesus and pray for them, pray with them. You know, pray for those that that need Jesus now. And bring them to, to the feet and don't stop praying for them. So I encourage you tonight to bring all of your worries, all of your pain, all of your burdens and set them at the feet of Jesus. Because that's where we can find true peace. It's a peace that surpasses all understanding. And when we spend, when we spend time at Jesus' feet, we can find that it'll make us whole. So what was the result of them bringing them and this healing going on with these Gentile people? It says in uh, verse 31, the result was that they glorified the God of Israel. Isn't this great? So here we have the Jewish people that saw Jesus' miracles. You know, they started, you know, the Jewish leaders and stuff, they wanted to kill Jesus. But here we have the first time that the Gentiles are seeing this type of miracle, you know, and Jesus is pouring out to the Gentiles here and healing them, and they're soaking it all up. They're soaking up his ministry. And they love that, and they glorified the God of Israel. You know, notice that wording, that they glorified the God of Israel, meaning that these Gentiles saw this miraculous work of Jesus, and they couldn't help but praise God for it. You know, they weren't praising their pagan gods because they knew that their pagan gods weren't compassionate. They knew that their pagan gods couldn't heal them. Here they were, and they understood that they praised the God of Israel. 
And so we see a contrast between these Gentiles and the Jewish leaders who knew the Old Testament scriptures. You know, and so the Gentiles glorified Israel's God, you know, but the Jewish leaders said that Jesus was in league with Satan. And so God deserves all of our glory and honor because he is our creator. He is the Alpha and Omega. He's the beginning and the end. So let's praise God for who he is and what he's done in our lives. And so when we go to the feet of Jesus and we give him all that we have, it's then we can begin to start having compassion for others. Because when we start laying our burdens down at the feet of Jesus, we can start being a little more compassionate and loving towards others. And so we can have, that's one of the major themes here in the lessons of this section of Scripture is that it's the compassion of Jesus Christ. You know, Jesus said to the disciples, I have compassion on the crowd because they have been with me now three days and have nothing to eat. And I'm unwilling to send them away hungry lest they faint on the way. So to have compassion is to suffer with someone or to feel their pain and their hurt. But that's not it. It's also to have a strong desire to see its cause permanently eliminated. And so that's what Jesus was doing. He had compassion on this group of people that were there for three days listening to him teach. And he knew they were getting hungry, you know. So Jesus not only healed them, but he was also teaching them. That's why they were staying there for three days. So he was feeding them spiritually, and now he has compassion on them, and he wants to fulfill their physical needs by feeding them. Many people I know struggle with compassion. And being a police officer for so long as I was, you know, many times I struggled with compassion, having compassion for others, you know, because it's not that I didn't want to have compassion. It's just, you know, I'm a big, strong cop who has to do, you know, this job. And it's kind of hard to have that compassion sometimes, you know. And so a lot of times I didn't deal with it the way I should have. Um, and I kind of put up walls where I should have been more compassionate. But it wasn't until I started and I began taking my faith in Christ again more seriously and my desire to become more Christ-like that I began to want to be more compassionate. And I began to want to have more compassion for people. And so I asked the Lord, you know, give me more compassion. Give me compassion and help me be more like Jesus. And so this is the heart of our Lord. And it should be the heart of every single passionate follower of Christ. Being the hands and the feet of Jesus to others. All throughout the Gospels, we read about Jesus' compassion to mankind. When we have a Christ-like compassion for others, we're moved to meet the needs of other people, no matter who they are. We serve a God of compassion. In Psalm 145, 8 and 9, it says, The Lord is merciful and compassionate. He is slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. The Lord is good to everyone. He showers compassion on all his creation. 
I love that picture. He just showers compassion on everyone, all of his creation. You know, David is writing about the beautiful care and the compassion of God upon all that he created. And it's through his grace and his mercy that we can extend that care and compassion to everyone that we meet. And so why does Matthew point out this incident? It's a significant miracle that points to two things. First, it shows that Jesus is not only able to perform a mighty work, but he can repeat it according to his own desire. But secondly, this miracle demonstrates that Jesus had compassion on those outside of Israel's covenant as well as those inside within it. I'll never forget, I don't know if you guys ever had somebody that, that had compassion on you and it just stuck with you for the, your whole life. I know I did. So growing up, when I was younger, I was a little more mischievous, I guess you could say, as you know, a lot of young boys are. And so I went to school at the same church that I grew up in. So it was a school and a church, and I went there to the same school. You know, the same school. And I'll never forget several times, there were several times that I was told to go out and sit uh, outside of the classroom because I needed to meditate and think about my behavior, they said. But I'll never forget that we had this one nun, and she was an older nun, and every single time I was out there in the hallway thinking about what I did, she would always come up to me, and she would grab me by my hand, and she would tell me, Keith, you're a wonderful young man. You know, you have great things that are going to happen in your life. And I just want you to continue to grow. And I want you to be a better kid and not get thrown out here to the office or out into the... So she showed me so much compassion. And even as a young man, I still to this day can remember her. And I still to this day can remember her grabbing my hand and just encouraging me. No matter how many times she saw me out there in that hallway sitting, she would still come up and she never lost faith in who I was. And so I'm so thankful for that. And so it's because of the Lord's great love that we're not consumed for his compassions never fail, as Lamentations says. You know, if we got what we deserved, we would be consumed. But it's his compassion towards us that restricts that and extends mercy. And his mercies are new every single morning. Every morning we have fresh instances of God's compassion towards us. And so God is faithful. He is faithful to be just. He is faithful to be wise. He is faithful to be loving and compassionate. And God is a God of great compassion. And so we as followers of Christ have to be Christ-like and be compassionate as well. It's easy for us to be self-centered and selfish. You know, that's one thing this world that we live in, that's one thing that we definitely need in this world is more compassion. You know, but we're called to a higher standard. Paul wrote in Ephesians, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. You know, so not only do we see the compassion of Jesus here, but we also see action. You know, Jesus not only had compassion for these people who he knew were with him and were hungry, but he also wanted to show it by his action. And he also let his disciples put their faith into action here. 
And so that's what we need to do, is we need to put our faith into action. You know, Jesus felt compassion for the people that were there, but he didn't stop at just feeling sorry for them or feeling that, you know, they were hungry and they needed something. He did something. And so as we read on, and the disciples said to him, where are we to get enough bread in such a desolate place to feed so great of a crowd? And Jesus said to them, duh, what do you think? What did I do last time? No, he didn't say that. He said, how many loaves do you have? Okay, they said seven and a few small fish. And directing the crowd to sit down on the ground, he took the seven loaves and the fish, and having given thanks, he broke them, and he gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the crowd. You know, Jesus could have provided them with food. He has that power to do that. You know, we saw God in the, with the, in the Old Testament giving the Israelites manna. So God could have called down Chick-fil-A for everybody and it just dropped down to their lap. But he didn't. You know, what he didn't, he didn't do that. You know, he could have done it without these seven loaves and this small fish. But he asked what they had, and since the disciples asked them where they can, where they can get enough of that food, because they don't have enough for this multitude of people, you know, Jesus was teaching his disciples to trust him. You know, so he blessed what they had, and then he had his disciples serve the people. Jesus used this, what they already had there, and he used people who were already there. And God entrusts each and every one of us with the life-changing message of the gospel. And he tells us to pass out that bread to everyone that we meet. He tells us to proclaim the gospel message to all people. You know, God will give us what we need, but it's our job to tell others about Jesus. You know, we may laugh and say, come on, guys, you already saw him feeding the 5,000 earlier. You know, why are you asking how are we going to feed this multitude? You know, we could probably think about that, but we do this as well. You know, how many times do we ask, how are you going to get me through this, God? What am I going to do, Lord? How am I going to get through this mess I've gotten myself into? So we do that as well, just like the disciples did. You know, but he has and he will continue to provide for us. We just have to be obedient and be faithful and wait upon the Lord because his timing is perfect. And so when we're compassionate towards others, we'll want to start serving them. You know, what do you have? What do you have? Sometimes we have to give God something to work with. You know, are we willing to take what we have and put it in his hands? Our faith is reflected in every single thing that we do. And by the words that we speak, by our action towards others, and how we deal with our daily situations. You know, and as passionate followers of Christ, we have to make sure that everything we do, all the words that we speak, reflect our faith in Jesus. Now I'm going to stop for one second and put my apologist hat on. Because there's some people that try to say, well, Jesus feeding the 5,000 and Jesus feeding the 4,000, it's the same incident, they just got 
the numbers mixed up. But it's important to see that this is not just a retelling of the previous story of feeding the 5,000. There's several differences that are distinguishing this from the 5,000. And so I'm just going to quickly go through just a couple of them that we can see. And if you wanted to, you can look at the feeding of the 5,000 in, in this story here and see. But there's different numbers being fed. One is 4,000, the other is 5,000. It's at a different location. You know, one is in Galilee. The other one is on the other side of the Sea of Galilee. We see different seasons of the year because one indicates that there's grass that they sat on. The other one indicates that there's not grass. There's a different food supply, a supply of food being uh, told here at the beginning. There's a different number of baskets that are holding the leftovers. And it's even a different word for baskets in the second account. And it's also a different period of time for the people waiting. The earlier 5,001 says they were waiting a day. This one says they were waiting three days. But the most important one that we should look at to know that there's, there's two different um, feedings here is that Jesus also confirmed in Matthew 16, 9, and 10, so if we go to the next chapter, that these were two separate events. When he said to the disciples who were complaining that they didn't bring any bread, here they are complaining again, saying, I don't have enough bread. And Jesus said to them, do you still not understand? Don't you remember the five loaves for the 5,000 and how many basketfuls you gathered? Or the seven loaves for the 4,000 and how many basketfuls you gathered? So here we see that these are two separate feedings, one for the Jewish people and then one here now with the Gentiles. And so we've been called to serve others and be compassionate to others. And so how can we do that? You know, we can go out into our neighborhood. Maybe there's an elderly couple or a single parent or a family that needs help that you know of, you know, that needs a little bit of help or maybe shoveling snow or cutting the grass or doing some weed work or going shopping or somebody that just might need you to come and sit down and talk to or pray with. You know, we have all of that. There's so many needs that are around our community, that are with our friends, that are with our families. You know, we can serve in our community at the local schools. They're always looking for people to, um, to work at the schools and volunteer at the schools to help with the children. We have so many opportunities here at Woodland. We have tons of opportunities for you to serve here at Woodland. If you go on our website, you'll see all the great events as I talked about earlier that are going on. And we just would love for you to just come and, and just serve with us and help us. Um, I remember the first time that we came to Woodland Church. Um, I was working a lot, so I wasn't here the first couple times that, that we started coming to Woodland. But I remember Pastor Mark asked Christy, so what do you do? And she's kind of like, uh, what do you mean? And so they talked about it. And so he's, he's like, well, what does your husband do? And so he wanted to know what we are good at, what we love to do, how we love to serve. And so the end of that story was that we ended up being on the worship team and we love, you know, being up there and worshiping. Um, and then we also worked with the teen group too. So, so if you see somebody here at church and you get to know them, just ask them, what do you do? What do you like to do? You know, you can have that conversation with them, get to know them better. And then they can also find a way to, to be plugged into our church here to, to serve. Another way is small groups are a great place to serve. If you're not in a small group, I encourage you to find a small group. 
Um, you can always reach out to the church at info at woodland.church and they, they'll be able to plug you in here. Um, we'll, we'll find a great small group for you because you know, many of our small groups do things in the community to serve others. You know, and small groups are also a great place to develop good Christian friendships that will last a lifetime. And when you develop these friendships, you know, we can see the needs of those within or even without of, you know, out of our small groups, and we, it'll help us be able to serve them well. So Jesus broke the bread, and then he had his disciples serve the people. And they were satisfied. All these people were satisfied. Because Jesus is the bread of life to all people. Jesus had plenty of bread for the Jews. He had plenty of bread for the Gentiles. And his mercy and his grace and his compassion is for all people. This is a lesson for us that we are to use what we have while we're serving God. And whatever we have available will be sufficient if God blesses it. And so we're called to have compassion on others. And we're also called to serve one another in love, as Galatians 5.13 says. And this is how we put our faith into action. Each one of us has something to offer to others. We all have talents. We all have spiritual gifts that are given to us by God. And we can use these gifts and we can use these talents to help and serve others. And we can do this through prayer, by loving one another as Christ loved us, and by devoting our time and our spiritual gifts to serve others, and by doing all of this to praise and to glorify God. Heavenly Father, I just thank you again for this word for us tonight. How refreshing it is to know and how instructive and even convicting it is as we read about the compassion and love of Christ and how he asked his disciples to serve the Gentile people even though they didn't really like the Gentiles. It's just a great lesson for us that we are to serve and to love everyone we meet. So help us, Lord, to reach out to those in need with compassion, whether their need is a spiritual need or if it's a physical need. I pray, Lord, that we continue to have the compassion and the heart of Christ. Help us also, like those disciples gathered around him that day, when Jesus provided both spiritually and physically to the Gentile people, help us to gather, that we've gathered tonight and, and that we learn this lesson well and that we have compassion on the needs of all people. Help us to stop long enough to look and find the needs of other people and help us to have the heart of Christ, a heart of compassion. And I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. 
Thank you for joining us today for Woodland Church and our YouTube channel. I hope you'll take a moment and click that subscribe button and also click the notifications bell so that you'll know when new things are posted. We're always putting new material up so that you can be a part of everything that's going on. We want to share those with you and we hope that they will encourage you and strengthen you in your faith as you watch. You can also find out more about Woodland Church by going to our website at woodland.church. You can find out all about us and also upcoming events. Again, thank you for joining us today.